This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by Mo Stewart. Mo, welcome to your first ever transfers episode, mate. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I didn't know about this being a thing until you told me earlier this week, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time, what I would do if I was in charge. So yeah, I'm looking forward to flexing those muscles. Yeah, well, I have had to inform Mo that we have a specific analyzing and field tradition where we... Um, we don't tell each other our picks, obviously. So I don't know who Mo's picked. He doesn't know who I've picked. All we do know is Jude Bellingham is not involved. And that's for obvious reasons. Uh, he's obviously a top target for the club. Everybody knows that too easy. So no point in even going there, really. Um, so without further ado, we will make a start. But before we do, Mo, mm. I haven't actually asked you this at any point, but is do you have... Any specific criteria for the the player that you're looking for? Are you looking for a specific type? Are you trying to address a specific problem? Because I am. Um, whether you are on, I don't know. So um, I'm glad you asked me that because yes, I am. <laughs> well, I do have specific criteria, but as we'll come on to over the course of the show, some of them are technical, but a lot of them are more um, around squad building. So I think it was important when we're going to do this to look at the players who we are expecting to stay, the players who we are expecting to leave and thinking of the midfield group as a whole and making sure the whole group has enough of everything that we need. So obviously any replacements that come in are going to need to complement the gaps we have. We're looking for a mix of youth and experience, a premium placed on players who can combine the two. I think athletic abilities are a priority based on what we have already, based on the way we like to play durability another key factor i mean we look at the way jürgen klopp works his midfielders they're going to need to be able to to withstand that and then compatibility that's where kind of the playing style comes into it so those are my main criteria i mean the news that broke earlier today around the new contract for curtis jones does certainly suggest that in terms of there is a there's certain midfielders who Klopp is already accounting for certain skill sets that Klopp's already accounting for. So I've kind of taken that into consideration as well. Okay, it's a nice criteria. I think for me, I have tried to address what my what in my opinion is Liverpool's problem. And I think this season Liverpool are suffering because in the midfield in particular, Liverpool are too open, um, too easy to progress through, too old, not energetic enough. We can't high press as well because of these players. We can't sustain attacks as well. And we're too easily bypassed, too easily dribbled past and all that sort of stuff. So um, what I'm trying to do is address that problem by identifying ideally like a physical athletic central midfielder who particularly leans towards the defensive side of the game rather than the attacking side of the game. Um, and he'll primarily make a difference when it comes to security, stability, um, without the ball, rather than when it comes to getting on the ball and putting all the magic on the pitch like Thiago or someone like that. So that's my criteria. Um, obviously, all of my players are under the age of 26, I think. No players over the age of 25. Um, 
and obviously they, they fit with typical clock mold in my opinion so yeah we'll make a start so Mo five midfielders go with your first and then I'll go with my first and then go with your second I'll go with my second and okay. we'll move on from there Fair enough. and uh, okay. I'll probably say as well like we don't have to do this, this in any specific order of preference we'll just reel off names if you want to say, say who you prefer the most feel free but I'll do I'll do them in the order I've got written down, which was semi um order that I would have gone for them in, but there has been some changing around that. But yeah. the first man yeah. off the block is the man that most people would have expected me to mention because I mentioned him quite a lot around the summer, and that's Mateus Nunes. Um parent player for Wolverhampton Wanderers, 24 years old. Um he's a very versatile player. He's been operating as a 10 for Wolves this season. Uh, after playing as part of a central two for sporting for most of his time in front of a back three. Now, obviously, Wolves' season hasn't exactly been going well, but if you look at his numbers, he is still producing what they want him to do. He's still creating a decent rate of chances. So I think it's as much down to the players in front of him as to why they're struggling at the moment. But in terms of what he brings to the game, he is both great at pressing, but also very press resistant. He's fantastic at taking the ball under pressure. Very good at recycling the ball short. Long passing probably still needs a bit more work, but in terms of physicality, he's big, he's strong, he's energetic, and he hasn't had any injury problems to date. The other thing about him is the fact that he's playing for a team that are currently bottom of the league. And normally... I was going to say that, yeah. Normally, when you've someone who's just signed to a new club, it's quite hard to get them out of the club if they've just signed a contract. In this situation, added into the fact that Wolves got a new manager, Julian Lopetegui, who's going to want some transfer funds of his own, and Wolves don't have that many other real saleable appealing assets, then you can see a world where this deal is... Um, well, in terms of, if we're going to say how doable the deal is, I would say it was uh, four out of five stars. In terms of it, there might be the price takes a bit of a haggle, but I think it's a one that we can definitely get done. And he was a player who I thought would have been good for us in the summer. He gives us that protection that you you were talking about. If you play him alongside a true uh, ball hawk defensive midfielder, then suddenly we look a lot more strong. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the Wine Alden thing, actually. You know, when Wine Alden went to Newcastle, had a decent first season. I think it was his first season, but Newcastle went yeah. down. And then I think Liverpool were able to get him for about 25 million then. Um, yeah. And I mean, in terms of where he played for the Newcastle and where he ended up playing for us, it's also very similar. Yeah. I mean, Wolves at the minute, I think it's incredible that they've played 15 games, they've scored eight goals. Yeah. Eight goals, 15 games, three less than any other team, and that includes Evan. <laughs> well, I mean, they've got, not got any strikers. They've been playing. Um, they've got good players. They just, they just, uh, they cannot put the ball in the net. Though the players that they've got, they've got loads of nice technicians and nobody who's actually going to finish. Yeah, well, for, if Nunes is playing as part of a two, then I would say maybe only set piece presence would be a reliance on him to score goals. But I'm anticipating some of the others within the squad being able to do the bulk of the goal scoring. So it's not something I'm specifically going to be laying at his door, but uh, that's not necessarily going to be the case for everyone we talk about. Yeah, so uh, we'll move on. And for me, I'm going to start with Declan Rice. Um, bear with me. <laughs> no, no, no. Fine. Right, so 
I think a lot of people, their initial first thoughts on this will be, he's too expensive. And I think that stems from past price tags that have been associated with his name, largely with David Moyes obviously wanting to get paid when it comes to selling him. Um, but you've got to bear in mind, those have been previous windows. And if we try to get Rice in the window just gone, you're looking over 100 million. If you try to get Bellingham in the Rice, in the, in the Rice, in, in their window just gone, you're looking over 100 million. The reason that they're both inclined to move now is that they're both entered in the final two years of the deal. So you're looking at a much more reasonable price tag, um, maybe between, I don't know, 50 and 80 or something like that, potentially. Um, so, yeah, in terms of Rice, he's currently on a decent wage that would allow him to get a rise at Liverpool without Liverpool breaking the structure massively. He's on about 60 grand a week at West Ham. Um, he's very mobile, very good at covering wide open spaces and I think he's a real presence in, in the middle of the pitch. I think when he came to Anfield a few weeks ago and he played against Liverpool, specifically in the second half, it was kind of just him stood bang on the centre circle, just literally holding the fort while everybody else went and tried to get an equalising goal. Um, and I think a lot of his presence stems from the fact that he's, I think he's six foot one, which is a nice height, obviously. Um, he's proven in the Premier League he's 23 years old which is ideal um, he's never injured as well if you look at his injury record I mean it's pretty outstanding really I think over the past two seasons he's, yeah, he's he, I mean he appeared in 36 out of 38 Premier League matches last season um, season before he appeared in 32 season before he appeared in all 38 so he's always available, always on the pitch. Liverpool obviously need that at the minute. Um, meets the homegrown quota. He is becoming more and more of a leader based on whenever whenever I see him. I think he's very charismatic and he's just improved so much over the past few years. If you'd have said to me a few years ago, you will suggest Declan Rice on a transfers podcast for <laughs> Liverpool. I'd have genuinely been shocked. But I am. He... he, he Impresses me more and more the more I see him, and he's getting better on the on the ball as well. I think he's currently top of the Premier League for switches of play, and by a, by a considerable margin as well. He usually makes good decisions on the ball, um, and I think crucially as well, he is this type of midfielder who is a physical, athletic presence who leans towards the defensive side of the game. So I think he's, I think he's arguably the best alternative option to Chiuameni, who we obviously didn't get. But I think if, if you think of what Chiuameni is as a player, mm. he was a big physical ball winner who could also play. And he was youthful and athletic and primarily defensive. Rice is kind of that. Declan Rice ticks a lot of those boxes. He's very, very similar in that sense. Um, albeit potentially not as good. <laughs> but he's he's still very good, I think. No, I mean, without wanting to give too much away, there's about 10, 11 midfielders I had under serious consideration for this. And he was on my list 100% for pretty much all of the reasons you've just said. I do think my one of my favourite things about him is that he is still adding to his game. He's had a long time now of being acclaimed highly as one of the best midfielders in the country. And he hasn't rested on his laurels. He's uh, He's... In a very specific role at West Ham, where, like you say, at times he'll be asked to hold the entire fort down. But there'll be times when he, they need a goal and he will have to drive the team forward. And he has that ability as well. I think mentality 
he would be, he's yeah. got what it takes to really rise to that Champions League, expected to win every game, every week kind of level. I think he has it in him. The other bonus, if you are looking for Declan Rice as well, is the kind of continuity factor, the chemistry factor. If we are getting Jude Bellingham as well, they're yeah. going to be spending this most of this World Cup playing alongside each other. So, I mean, I dare say it would be quite expensive to maybe <laughs> bring in Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham at the same time, but what a statement that would be. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think one of the issues would be, obviously, although I've touched on the fact that he should technically cost a bit less, the issue is you have Manchester United and Chelsea there who are probably interested in him, I would assume. I think he's he's a Chelsea boy by all accounts. Yes. And he's very, very familiar with the likes of Mason Mount and all that sort of stuff. So I think it would, it would take a bit of convincing, but I think Klopp has the pull power to sway him. And... I, th- I think we could plant a seed in his head, basically. But one of the issues will obviously be, though, if Chelsea go, go, going off from a daft, going off for a daft transfer fee or, or ridiculous wages or whatever, Liverpool obviously won't go to silly money. Um, but I think he's for for what for, for the problem that I'm trying to address in my head. Mm. He he's a really suitable fix, I think. Also, I think it it depends with players what they want out of their career, because the thing about Chelsea is that it's very transient. Like, even taking into account the fact that new owners might have new ideas and new way of doing things, at the moment, at Chelsea, you've got to be one... There's very few players who are able to say you were bought and you were a cornerstone of the Chelsea side for years and years to come. Most of them are at their peak for one to two, maybe three seasons, and then they're either out of the side or transferred away. At Liverpool, you can look at our side and say, look, these are cornerstones. You come to Liverpool and you put yourself in a position to be there and dominating for years to come. And some players want that kind of scrutiny. Some players are thinking always about the next move or moving forward and forward. It depends on what the character is. And I think, to be honest, if you said to Declan Rice, yeah, you'd be at Liverpool for 10 years alongside Jude Bellingham and you could potentially win the whole, uh, everything. And you could be talked about now uh, in 10 years, the way everyone talks about Jordan Henderson now, you'd take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I agree, mate. I think he's—he just suits exactly what I'm what I'm talking about, really. And it, I, although I don't think it's exactly—I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and I've always been—I've been a bit confused as to why there's, there seems to be virtually no links. Um, not even like the odd little rumor or anything like that. But at the same time, if it did materialize, I would kind of sit back and go, "Of course." <laughs> you know, it makes total sense. But so that's why I'm putting his name out there. But uh, we'll move on anyway. Who's your second pick, mate? Uh, my second pick is another one that's already been quite talked about. Uh, Moises Caicedo of Brighton, 21 years old. Now he's not quite of a, a statuesque, maybe as Mateus Nunes, but what he miss he misses out on in stature, he makes up for in tenacity. 
And he's proved himself capable of dominating games in the Premier League from midfield. Uh, he plays as the more defensive-minded of the two. So if you're playing a double pivot, he would be the six. Or if you're playing three in midfield, he could also be the six. But again, like Nunes, he's still capable of creating high amount of chances per game. He plays a lot of through balls, which if you think about the kind of pace that we have now got up front in Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes, that's something that could be quite complementary to what we've got. Um, in terms of his all-round skill set, I think he's someone who you could play further forward if you gave it, if you wanted to um, look at different formations. But the reality is, is that he is the ball hook. He's the aggressive, he's the front foot midfielder you need. The way that Fabinho at his pomp was able to just step in and anticipate before an attack even develops. That's Caicedo's job now that he does it to an absolute T for Brighton. And again, he's got the pace to be able to recover in case there's counter-attacks. He's got the intelligence and the awareness to be able to cover the space to kind of prevent those counter-attacks. Then we get to finances and it gets a little bit more tricky. <laughs> he is halfway through a five-year deal. And uh, we have seen in the past that Brighton have become quite shrewd uh, in terms of negotiations. They've been good at getting a decent price for their stars. And the unfortunate retirement of Enoch Mwepu, who probably was being geared to be Caicedo's replacement, means that Brighton know that they're going to have to buy. They're going to have to go into the market if they do sell him, which, again, is going to drive his price up. But he's 21 years old. Again, he's a player who is growing with every game and I feel like it's be, it will be well worth the money well we have our first clash <laughs> didn't take very long <laughs> he's also on my list um, and yeah you touch on many of the points many of the reasons why I think although I agree with you when it comes to his contract length and how that could be a problem in terms of price he is on a very very low wage by all accounts yes. um, he's currently earning according to FB ref at least about less than four grand a week, which is, you know, not much in the football landscape, at least. So when it comes to bringing him to Liverpool, you can give him a heavy rise and he's still like 20th in your on your list of, uh, of earners in, in, in your squad. So I think that's a definite positive and a reason why I would look at that as, as potentially doable. As you say, I think he's he's very energetic. He's... Um, primarily focused and inclined to regain the ball basically that's that seems to be his main duty and he's very very good at it um as a result of his ability to do that brighton are good at sustaining attacks and difficult to bypass in the middle and things uh, he's obviously proven in the premier league albeit just for half a season so far but it looked pretty convincing to me um one of the issues i think with it is there's not in this case there's, there's not too much evidence behind the player Obviously, he's he's recently. I think he's recently turned. Yeah, he has. He, he turned twenty one fifteen days ago. Yeah. And if you look at his career, he's played about twenty two games. I think that is in the in the Premier League for Brighton. Spent some time on loan in Belgium for a team called Beershot. Yeah. Um, played in Brighton's like reserves one or two games. Played for Independiente in Ecuador. So. I remember touching on this when we signed Diaz and we touched on this when we signed Nunes as well. Liverpool are showing a tendency to sign these players and move early on them. But you, when there's not that much evidence behind them. It's just a bit mm. more of a risk, I suppose, when you don't have as much proof. Whereas when we signed 
someone like a, a Sally or a Marnie mm. or a Wijnaldum. You've just got years and years of evidence of them performing in top, in, in renowned leagues, really. Um, yeah. As I Casado mean, has been doing it for too long. He hasn't. One thing I, it's interesting about Casado as well is how Brighton treated him. Because they they when they brought him in, he was basically learning the trade, kind of like Klopp used to do with uh, likes of Fabinho and Andy Robertson, where he was in and around the squad and he didn't kind of release him straight away. But once he was ready, once he was up to speed, then he got into the first team. And from there, he's he's never been left. So that kind of idea of needing to settle needing to develop as a younger player, like you say, he hasn't got experience behind him. It's almost to a certain extent, you can hope that Brighton have taken the brunt of most of that rawness. And by the time we get him, he'll be slightly more polished. Yeah, I think he he's one as well that I can actually see happening in January. Um, whereas a lot of other players, I wouldn't say that with. I wouldn't say it with Rice. I wouldn't say it with some of my other options. Definitely not Bellingham. So, because if you want a quick fix, I suppose like a Christmas fix, you know, most mm-hmm. Casado can can probably come in if we if we're willing to pay a bit more, I suppose. But then I, I just say earlier, you know, we know full well that Brighton are no mugs when it comes to the transfer market. So you won't really get get an edge up on them. To be honest, they they really know what they're doing. So. Mind you, they've had a lot of uh, turnover, staff turnover, actually, in recent weeks, haven't they? When it comes mm. to people going to Chelsea, especially. Um, so, yeah, I'll move on to my second pick, anyway. And it is Enzo Fernandez of Benfica. So, this player looks extremely good. Um, but he, he addresses the problem that I've touched on in a slightly different way. Because rather than being a defensive monster, like a Rice, maybe... He is more inclined to give you control, really. And as a result of the control, you defensively become better and more organised, really. But like Thiago, but like the impact of Thiago. Um, he gets on the ball a lot, you know, touches the ball a lot, really controlling, conducting presence for Benfica. Um, in terms of progressive passes, he's through the roof at the minute. I think he's currently 99th percentile on, on FB ref four progressive passes if you was to put him in the Premier League and he was to post the same numbers he's currently posting in Portugal he'd be top of the Premier League by some distance Um, I think the only player in Europe's top five leagues who's even close to him when it comes to that is Tony Cruz at the minute Um, Thiago's numbers last season were similar to to what Fernandes is posting at the minute Um, and as a result of that and other things he's doing he just looks extremely like an extremely valuable player when it Mm -hmm. comes to possession when he's on the ball he's just he just offers a lot of value you know he picks up the ball in really dangerous areas finds his teammates in really dangerous areas uh touches the ball a lot so he's he's, he's that kind of and he's only 21 as well mm-hmm. he's only been in europe for less than six months um which could be an issue benfica signed him from river plate over the summer for I'm not sure how much it was off the top of my head, maybe I think it's around million. £18 million. Pounds. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Um, and that was obviously a summer move. And he's contracted until 2027. So that is a reason why this one could be difficult. And if Liverpool want to get him, they'll probably have to pay through the nose, really. It'll probably cost a fair bit. But the evidence, data-wise at least, does look like he's very valuable. And when those players emerge, Liverpool... Don't seem to be, don't seem to be grudge paying the money really. Um, 
he's played as part of a two for most of the season. Uh, but I can also see him on the left of Liverpool's three. I think he, I think he, he'd suit that role. But yeah, I've seen a lot of talk about him, and I've I've looked into him in terms of the clips and in terms of the data, and it's it looks justified to me. He looks like a top top talent, and I wouldn't be surprised if after just one season at Benfica, he gets poached by by some heavyweight somewhere. Well, I wouldn't either. This is uh this is our second snap, by the way. <laughs> he wasn't originally Great. on my list, but what, he was now in number six. But once Bellingham was off, he he moved up a place. But okay. yeah, um, the thing I like about him, on top of everything you said, is like you say, he does it in a different way. So he is a lot. He's got very high on interceptions, but he'll do them high up the pitch. So if you wanted to play the counter-pressing game, even if we are only doing it at certain times in the game, rather it being the MO, he can do that part of the game. He's someone who's become a leader within Benfica uh, in, a, in a short space of time because of his influence on the game. So much of it goes through him. And so that means that he's brave. It means that in times during the Champions League where it was tight and there were back and forth between them and PSG for top of the group and it was like they were needing more goals, more goals. He was one who was funneling the ball through. And the interesting thing about Benfica, yes, they are playing Bruges in the Champions League. So they'll be looking at it thinking, we've got a good chance to get into the quarterfinals here. I don't think they'll really believe they can get beyond that. And if you look at the Premier League table, they're currently eight points clear at the top. So what that says is, number one, They've done a really good job of uh, recovering from selling their main striker to Liverpool. And number two, they probably would be able to wear selling Enzo Fernandez to Liverpool and still win the league. So, yeah, and 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 they have been very much known as a club who are willing to do those things if the price is right. Because I don't think anyone would have assumed that he was going to stay there for the rest of his career in the same way that um, some of their other players have, like, for example, Osala Ramos or Rafa Silva, who are a little bit older. Yeah. So I think it's a doable deal. Yeah, well, just a little bit more context on his numbers. Um, in the Premier League of this season, he's top of the division for uh, progressive passes, as I said. He's on 110 so far. Second place is on 90. Third place is on 72. And then there's a bunch of players on 59. So that kind of captures how he's very much an outlier when it comes to that. And then when it comes to um, completed passes, he's so far he's completed 1,112. And the next best player in the league is 883. So again, he's miles out in front. And those numbers don't necessarily capture ability or quality, but they no. just offer an insight into the type of player he is. And for me, he looks like kind of like a younger model of, of Thiago, really. Probably not as good. I mean, Thiago, people on this show know, know my what I think of Thiago, but he looks in that mould. And uh, obviously, Thiago's 31, I think. Mm -hmm. um, probably coming to the end of his Anfield career soon. Liverpool will need to replace him somehow. And getting this lad in, you know, I think he's, I think he's top quality by the looks of it. Analyzing Anfield. On the Blood Red Channel. 
it's hard to find the specific Tiago. And I mean, to be honest, what we'll probably need is someone who can do a lot of what Tiago does, but have some other qualities as well. And I think Enzo Fernandez is someone who you could put into our team and over a course of period of time, he could grow into that role. But um, yeah, someone else on my list I've got is probably a little bit more specifically geared to that. Go on, let's go. Let's go. Well, yeah, I mean, I say that because he's up next. Um, I'm kind of <laughs> stepping a little bit out of my own criteria simply because I love this footballer so much. Um, Nicolo Barella of International. Okay. Um, okay. Yes, so obviously he's a small stature, but in terms of his skill set, in terms of his ability to create, to pass, to find gaps where there aren't any. Very few players have it. I mean, we've spoken about Thiago a lot. Obviously, there's an idea that both Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones could develop the skill set to be that kind of player. He is. He is that kind of player. If you ask me of all the players under the age of 25, who's the closest to being able to do what Thiago does, it's him. And I've watched him a lot. Not just for in the last season in Champions League. I've been watching Italian football pretty much since he's moved from Cagliari and he has developed into a devastatingly effective footballer. Someone who doesn't need to run a lot and it's probably for the best because he's not necessarily got the greatest engine. He looks a little bit like Shakiri, but he's probably a little bit fitter <laughs> than Shakiri, to be fair. But it's all about the um, appreciation of space and movement around him and being able to be in the right place to play those killer progressive passes. He doesn't mind a tackle either. I mean, he probably needs to get a little bit better at it. But in terms of being able to defend from the front, the intelligence to block spaces, to be part of a pressing group, he can do that. Um, yeah, as I say, in terms of the selection of this list, it's a slight luxury. Uh, he's contracted to 2026. So uh, into are aware that he's going to be coveted and has been previously. So it would take a lot to get him now. It might be one that's more doable in the summer. But, oh, my goodness, if we could get that boy in our team. Seriously. Well, I'm I'm obviously a fan of this player. I don't think anyone with a brain is, really. Um, But you know what I'm going to say. And what I'm going to say, you've just roughly touched on, and that would would be the price. It would be difficult to to acquire him. I mean, Inter Milan are currently... Currently fifth in the um, in the Serie A, so maybe if they were to finish outside the Champions League places, you'd have a bit more room there to to toy with them, basically. Um, but the fact he's contacted till twenty twenty six, and he's currently in, and I think he's currently a top earner over there on yeah. about about one hundred and eighty grand a week, that would be a really pricey deal. But obviously, you're getting in there a, a peak peak elite midfielder across Europe, so. Obviously, Just it makes that, a massive difference if it's doable. You know, you probably explore it, but that's the other point: is the fact that, um, in terms of the A profile, he's someone who, like we said with Caicedo, there might be a bit of a development period. Barella can hit the ground running. I really believe that, and I mean, obviously, there's a difference between Serie A and Premier League, but we've seen him play against teams of high intensity for Italy, uh, and he was instrumental in their run to the Euros. So. I believe that he's got the ability to come in and make a difference immediately. It would be a difficult deal to do. Uh, I, I, I think it's, particularly in January, is kind of impossible because they're fifth in the league, but they're also in the court. Well, they've got 
Porto in the next round of the Champions League. So they'll feel like they can get to the quarters as well. And they've not done that in a long time. So it would be one for the summer rather than January. But we could find ourselves in a situation where Inter Milan, again, looking for a new manager, they've got players who they probably want to sell and can't sell. If you look at the way it went last summer, there was lots of players rumoured to leave that didn't end up leaving. And if you've got a situation, if you're into and you're like, we've got to sell one of Lautaro Martinez and Barella, probably want to keep Martinez. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if you look at his numbers, he's um, he's always available. I think that's a good little trait attached to him. Over the past, last season, he appeared in 36 of the 38 Serie A games. Season before, he appeared in 36. So he's always on the pitch, always involved. I think Pep Linders is a fan of him as well. I think he's actually come out and, and said that in his book, maybe. Um, so as you, as you say, it's, I think he's an obvious an obvious talent. And if, if there's any any way in which you can potentially get him, I think you do probably explore it. Um, but that's that's difficult to determine whether that's even possible without being on the inside and, and stuff like that. But you would like to think that after a few years, I think this is his fourth season for Inter. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's another. Maybe it's a similar Thiago situation in the sense that he wants a new challenge or something like that. Potentially, maybe. I mean, he's not going to win a Champions League with Inter Milan, really, is he? Could potentially no. do that with Liverpool, uh, considering we've got so, so many finals in the past few years. Um, but yeah, I'll move on anyway. So my next pick, number three, is Yusuf Fafana. <laughs> of um, <laughs> have you got a snap? No, no, it's just no. Okay. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the reason I've gone for Yusuf Fafana, I think it's funny actually because he's he's he was chewing many's partner last season in the centre of the pitch, uh, midfield two for Monaco. Obviously, chewing many was the golden boy, and uh, Liverpool chased him and Real Madrid chased him. So in a way, I suppose Fafana would kind of uh, Fafana would kind of be the sloppy seconds in a way but he's believe, believe me he's good believe me he's got he's got something about him he's 23 years old um stands about six foot which again is is good fits the physical mode that i'm going for quite an athletic player um he's quite mobile which is good uh he's less of an output merchant in the numbers in comparison to a chew many he doesn't like leap off the page when it comes to his underlying numbers and in, in, in too many departments, but it's still good. You know, it's not bad by any means or anything like that. Um, about two years left on his contract, and apparently he's currently earning about six grand a week, which means it's it's certainly financially doable. You know, Liverpool could get him for not that much and could give him a serious wage rise without it really impacting Liverpool's budget at all, to be honest, uh, which is a nice thing. He's a good progressive passer. On the ball, he, he moves the ball forward, and he's uh, he's also a keen dribble as well in comparison to other centre midfielders. You wouldn't really think it could, to be honest, considering his, his size and things, but he is inclined to dribble to get out of certain situations. Um, good availability. I'll get that up in a sec. Um, and he's accustomed to playing as part of a two, which obviously Liverpool don't particularly use. But again, I can I can potentially see him being adapted to become. A six, or or maybe the left sided number eight, but one or the other. But I do think he's he's got a profile that roughly fits what we're after. Um, yeah, last season he featured in thirty three of the thirty eight 
League One matches season before it was 35 out of 38 so generally always available and uh, yeah just in terms of my criteria that I touched on at the start of the show I think he he's roughly in in the, the type of mold that I'm after really no it's interesting like the reason I laughed is because I came very very close to putting him on and decided <laughs> um yeah but um in terms of his numbers he is he does. He's capable of doing all of the things Chiromeni does, but when he had Chiromeni next to him, he didn't need to do him as much. So obviously his numbers are going to be less. Yeah. But now he's uh, free from the shackles. He is producing a lot higher rate, and he's someone who a lot of people in France have been kind of talking. It's almost like, um, yes, we have that guy, but don't forget about this one. And yeah, I think he, I think he was recently called up to France for the first time. Actually, I think he yeah. got he's got his first cap in the past couple of months, mm. and I think he played in the duo actually as well with with many And I think he played well on his debut and stuff. So he's kind of rising as a as yeah. a player. And Liverpool usually a good at picking up on those before they actually reach the elite level. And yet he has still made over a hundred appearances in Ligue 1 at 23 years old so he's got yeah. a good amount of um get experience in his game obviously he hasn't played as much in like champions league or european but obviously monaco are in europe at the moment they're in the europa league so he's gaining that experience year in year out and they were in the group stages i think it was last season and um they were up against um psv and uh, ibrahim sangari who's another ma- a name that's been mentioned in a lot of dispatches and to be honest, he he kind of taught him a lesson. It was one of those really wow <laughs> moments where he was, he was not making him. He was basically dancing around him. It was it was brutal, uh, and that really stuck. That was the first time he really kind of clicked in my mind. So I was financially, I think it would be an easier sell. Although you do wonder whether they'd want to space out selling him and Chiumeni, maybe more than one season maybe more than six months. <laughs> so, I mean, it's definitely worth a conversation, as you say. See, the fact he's got two years left on his deal, though, suggests that if they do want to get a good price for him, he's probably got to go this summer. Um, they can keep hold him for another year, by all means, but he's getting sold for less if they do that, unless they're going to sign him to a new deal, you know, which is obviously a possibility as well. Um, but yeah, he just looks like a player who, who, who roughly fitted my bracket. Analyzing Anfield. On the Blood Red Channel. Who you want to next, then, Mo? I think is this our last pick, then? Because we, well, we yeah, the I same... mean, as as Enzo Fernandez was would be my number four, so this is going to be my number five. Okay, uh, and I've gone for João Palhinha, currently playing for Fulham. I like it. I like it. I like that joke. And he is twenty-seven, so he's just a little bit older than most that we've got, but. On my list, at least, he is the purest of the number sixes. He is an absolute tackle monster. He's made more tackles than anyone across Europe uh, this season. And he's also got an eye for a goal as well. He hit an absolute beauty from the edge of the box against Forrest and scored a header from a corner as well. So he's he's tall, he's strong. He's got, I wouldn't call him express pace, but he's able to kind of get back during counterattacks. He's another intelligent player who looks like he's adapted to the Premier League like a duck to water. And the most interesting thing about him is going back to the whole chemistry idea, his former team, Sporting Lisbon, he played in the midfield too, alongside Matthias Nunes. (laughs) So if 
by example, you already bought Nunes, you can say to Paulinho, let's run it back. I know you two work well together. And I mean, I joke about it, but these are the kind of things when you are looking at quick fixes in particular or short-term gains, these things matter. We've seen in the past, particularly in Liverpool midfield, it takes players a long time to get up to speed and there'd be teething problems. If we are going to be operating at the level we expect to be, i.e. the level of last season and previous championship years, then there's going to be less margin for error for that. If you've got some guys in there who know each other, even if they don't know the system, then that's a way of kind of connecting those dots. And also, Fulham are doing well right now. You could go to Yalpolian and say, look, Fulham are doing well right now. You're not going to finish in the European places. <laughs> like, you've, bought, you've bought yourself basically a ticket to 14th place as opposed <laughs> to a 17th place. That's really what's happening. So I think he's knows he's probably seen enough of us to know that it will be an appealing time to move across, even if he's only just arrived. And Fulham are Fulham. I'm pretty sure that if we kind of come to them with a with a decent deal, not a disrespectful kind of number, then um we we might be able to get it done. The only issue with that, I think he's one of the players, and I put Caicedo in that bracket as well, who price may go up because of the World Cup. I think yeah. that, I think he's one who's primed to make a real impact for Portugal. Yeah, I mean, I think his his price will already be pretty high simply because he's only just moved on. He's moved to a Premier League club, usually financially quite stable, and uh, he's got another five years on his contract. But I am a huge fan of him. Actually, I, I watched him the other night against Manchester United, and he just he did dominate the middle of the park. Um, really likes to put his foot in. Uh, to be honest, he reminds me a little bit of an early Javier Mascherano in terms of his desire to really just, he's like a dog, he's just like really eager to just get engaged in the scrap, basically. <laughs> um, and I didn't know, actually, I've just I've just got his profile up because I did, I did think at the time, he's really good, man. I, I could see him at Liverpool, but I didn't actually double check, but I've just got him up now. And two things I really didn't know, I didn't know he was six foot three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's a really physical presence in that sense. I didn't know that. And I also didn't know he was 27, though. That's that's a downer. Yeah, I thought it he was 24. I mean, it's one of those situations where I think he's one of those players who people didn't really want to take a risk on or maybe just didn't take a punt on because there were other players within that team who got more um, spotlight, for example. I mean, because obviously he was there, I believe, when Bruno Fernandes was still around. So. It's difficult sometimes with midfielders. Once they get to a certain point, you think people start to think, well, why has no one gone for them earlier? But again, if you think about the profile that we've got, it might not necessarily hurt to have some of, if you look at the profile of player we're going to be losing in terms of age. And I mean, obviously Milner, Oxlade-Chamberlain, for sure. Cater, we'll see. Um, But I would think that buying a player who isn't as a young one to compliment some of the younger ones isn't necessarily the worst thing. And in an ideal world, if you're playing defensive midfield and you have good physical attributes already, there's still a good two, three seasons. I think we can use them for. Yeah. 
no, it's an interesting show. It's a, it's a nice wild kind of thing to include in this one. Um, I'll round up with my final pick. And it is uh, Ibrahima Sangarik, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've just been talking about him yourself before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, long-term listeners of the show will, will know about him because I've referenced him before. Um, I think, again, in terms of what I am after, the kind of player I have in mind, mm. he, he's, pre- he's pretty close. Uh, he's about to turn 25. He's 24 at the minute, but I think he turns 25 in like the next week or something like that. Um, six foot three. And so he's obviously fits the physical mold. And he's he, in the Eredvisi, at least, which is obviously a bit of a kid's league. You know, we have to factor that in. He looks like quite the all-rounder who basically does it all. Um, but while being able to do it all, he does lean slightly towards the defensive side of the game. In fact, he looks like a really capable ball winner, to be honest. Um, again, you have to factor in this is the Eredivisie. But he ranks at the minute, according to FB Ref, in the, 80, in the 98th percentile of midfielders for interceptions and in the 96th percentile of midfielders for tackles. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously very inclined to, to put his foot in and, and regain the ball for the teammates and stuff. And on top of that, when he's on the ball, he can sometimes look a little bit awkward, but he's quite a capable dribbler, more of a capable dribbler, capable dribbler than you'd think. And he is inclined to, to play forwards in terms of you know being quite progressive on the ball and stuff. And you can mm-hmm. see that in his numbers as well. Um, I think he has the the profile to play as a six or as a number eight, which is nice. Does have a contract till twenty twenty seven, which he signed in the summer, which is not good. But the fact he signed that, despite being linked to like Liverpool and Man United and stuff, tells me that maybe there's a release clause in there somewhere potentially. But even if there isn't, it's still only PSV. I do think he's probably attainable if Liverpool are willing to pay around 40 million plus maybe whether he's worth that I don't entirely know really I'm on the fence with that one but he looks he looks physical and, and, and he can cover ground he's not the quickest but he, he he has those big big long strides and stuff so yeah he's, he's my final pick Um, I still think he could do a job and if he was inclined to just hold the fort for Liverpool at times and just kind of let the others attack mm-hmm. I think he'd be good in, in that role but yeah, there's a there's a few obviously few downsides there, specifically his contract. Yeah, I mean the reason why he kind of fell off my board was partly that. Also, I do think he's probably closer. I'd be happy for him as a six. I'd be slightly nervous of him as an eight, simply because his passing percentage numbers are good. But the reality is, is that most of the time he is giving it to someone else to do the damage. And yes, you could do that quite easily in our team, but if you're playing as an eight and you're playing as one of two eights, there's a difference where if you're playing as a double pivot and you've got a six beside you, then you're probably going to need to do more of that. The, the, the contract thing and the summer thing was interesting because there were lots of teams who needed a player like him and none of them tried. Yeah, now, that's curious. That's curious. Yeah. And as much as, like you say, we try to be a show of analytics and reason, there's something about that that's just a little bit, mm, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about that. But we'll have to wait and see because I'm pretty sure someone will eventually take the plunge on him and then we'll have to see what happens. But 
maybe it is just that people are less inclined to use Eredivisie as a as a barometer, barometer for quality. It's a shame that um, Ivory Coast started at the World Cup because he would have been able to put himself in another shop window in that respect. But yeah, I think it might be one whereby the price has to be right. And I'm like you. I think the new deal was very much with the release clause because they'd have said to him, look, we, we, we were, you were available all the time. No one came in. So you might as well stay with us. But if they change their minds, then this is what it'll take. That's kind of going back to our common sense. That's kind of what makes sense for me. So we'd have to wait and see on that one. But I mean, I think he's probably, I think he could be developed into a Liverpool player. I think he would be, he would probably take more developing to kind of shave some of the raw edges and some of the others. But like you say, within your parameters of being someone who can stop this and stop that, then yeah, I think he can do that job. Yeah, I've I've been aware of him for a while. He was previously at Toulouse in in France, um, and while I was while he was there, a couple of the people who I've followed over the years, who I I kind of respect their opinions and stuff on on Twitter and things, that they, they were keen to write profiles on him and stuff. So I've been aware of him for quite a while now. And then obviously when he was getting linked with the likes of Spurs, I think, and teams like that. But then he made the relatively surprising move to PSV. A few of us were a little bit surprised that he. He didn't step up a bit higher, mm-hmm. um, but since he's went there, you know it's it's been good. It hasn't been bad by any means, and he looks like a solid contributor. And again, when it comes to the numbers, he he really does look like an, an all rounder. I mean, I would look like an all rounder playing against the gang of seven year olds, probably. <laughs> which, which Sorry, is, I'd, I'd want to look like a world beater against seven year olds, man. Come on. <laughs> well, I think I think that's that's where the body is. You know, he, he, he does look like he can do it all in the numbers. Um, but how much is that? How much of that is because he's he's facing certain teams? You know, every week. You know, you have to mm. factor that in. Maybe you can look at his Champions League performances or whatever. But he looks like if if what I'm getting at anyway, I've tried to stay consistent with the theme of. Mm-hmm. A really physical and athletic, defensive-minded presence who is going to improve Liverpool against the ball. That's what my thing has been, and he looks like he fits that mould for me. So, um, yeah, that's 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 all, mate. So, um, I don't know. Do you want any int- roundup thoughts? Well, the one interesting thing to me, considering the players that we've mentioned, considering the players who I considered but still would definitely pick, there's a lot out there. So. It's, yeah. it's it's strange to me that like we're not even six months away from everyone within the club saying there's no midfielders out there who can improve us, particularly because so many of the ones we've mentioned literally moved in the summer. So it's it kind of bodes well for there being a a solution to our problems out there. We'll have to wait and see exactly how it goes. Yeah, for those who are watching on YouTube, our picks are currently on the screen. Uh, five mine, five moles. We obviously had Snap on two of them. And um, I think the plan moving forward, considering Liverpool aren't going to play for another five weeks or so, what we're going to do next week is the same episode, basically, but um, wild card options. So players that wouldn't necessarily be right up there with our top picks that we've just listed, but players who might who have a chance of ending up at Anfield like kind of like an outside the box option that you probably wouldn't otherwise think of. So that's the theme for next week. So make sure you tune in for that. But Mo, thanks for joining us, mate, on your first transfers episode. How would you find it? I thought that went well. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll happily stack my choices up against anyone and anyone who dares to argue <laughs> in the comments, as I'm sure they will. Yeah, as always, as always. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us, mates, and uh, we will see you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.